Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Lisa Wilcox. I had Lisa on the show to talk about her latest film, The Bloody Man. Lisa is probably best known as Alice in the Nightmare on Elm Street films, part four and five. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the Nightmare on Elm Street films because in my estimation, she's probably had to talk about those films for the last 40 years and might not be the thing she wants to talk about the most right now. Um, so I was more interested in what she's been up to for the last couple of years and returning to work after a hiatus and what brought her back into acting again. So if you are looking for uh, some insight to the Nightmare on Elm Street films, we do touch on it a little bit. But really, in my mind, I was thinking of that kind of like how I would feel if I was being interviewed by somebody and they kept asking me about um, all the high school poetry that I had that was filled up in trapper keepers in my closet. I mean, I might entertain a question or two about it, but it's probably not what I would want to spend 45 minutes discussing. So I had a great time chatting with Lisa and I hope you'll check out The Bloody Man on VOD. Enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, how are you today? Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I appreciate it. Yes, sure. I'm going to adjust. The lighting looks kind of bright. How does that look on your end? Um, a little bit bright, but I mean, this is Zoom. We're, we're okay. It's just going to be using the audio for this. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. okay. So it's totally fine. If, if okay, you want great. to change it, by means, please. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, nobody will see this but you and I. Okay. Then I'll just look at the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? How have uh, you been for the last couple of years? It seems um, like you've been keeping yourself busy um, from when I look and see what you've been up to. Um, when did you decide to get back to work during the pandemic? Um, I actually, during the pandemic, well, <laughs> let me put it this way. I um, had like seven films that year. <laughs> like it was going to be awesome. And, um, and then of course all those went away, but I did, I did do one film and I did, uh, some kind of tours like drive-in theaters, mm-hmm. um, did one, two, two, two and a half week tour with Danny Hassel and Troy Newkirk, uh, Ken Sagos and Mark Patton. Oh, and wow. it was like the fall of the pandemic and, you know, just outdoor events, you know, we even did some conventions. They were just outside. Mm-hmm. So I stay, you know, I stayed busy, but it of course was an incredibly depressing time because I had to, all those films had to be postponed, you know, and yeah. some production companies didn't make it, you know, so I don't know if those, some of those films would even come back. So, well, this, this one that we're talking about today, Bloody Man, that, you shot this a couple of years ago now at this point. Yeah, sitting was, around for I'm while. sure it was, bef- it was um, about six months before the pandemic started. Okay. Yeah, in Kentucky, it was really fun. Oh, that's what? what, Where in Kentucky were you? I I love that state. As far as Um, I don't really remember because you just kind of land and then they (laughs) just take you everywhere. Um, Wish I could tell you, but uh, the director will know because he knows Kentucky. But it's so charming. It's so darling. I just got to explore all kinds of little parts of of Kentucky. It was it was gorgeous, and those it's just a beautiful state. Oh, absolutely. And this is the type of film that I feel like it was made specifically for me. Um, I'm 46 now. So I think there's a lot of people that are my age that grew up with the same movies that I did. We have the same kind of uh, film um, history. 
together. And so the people that are directing films now, I feel like they're kind of in the neighborhood of my age, um, where it's this kind of throwback to Amblin films. It feels very reminiscent of something from the 80s. A throwback to what? An Amblin film, like the oh, Steven yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. It's totally like, that. Like that arachnophobia vibe. or gremlins or something like that. Where Absolutely. Have- it is so fun. And the kids are so cute. And, you know, it's purposely it's supposed to take place in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he really succeeded with that. In fact, in the film, I'm driving this vehicle that is so 80s, holding all the kids. It was it was it was hysterical. <laughs> anyway, it was like this big camper thing anyway, <laughs> but it had like the, you know, the wood paneling on it mm-hmm. <laughs> where he found these things. I just, <laughs> I do not know. Um, and even the wardrobe, uh, the, the games that he has, they're like, look, yeah. vintage eighties, you know? So I think he really pulled off it. He did a great job pulling off the time period. Oh, for sure. There's an attention to detail here that, I think the average viewer might not notice, but you would definitely notice if it was wrong, but there's things it's even right. just the set decoration <laughs> in the room, like the, the console cabinet game that they're playing in the lunch right. room, down to it's exactly. all the, the clothes, everything. It's just, it's every just scene. it's like a little, even the hairstyles mm-hmm. and you know, all that stuff. So it, it, it was really very, he, he just totally landed, landed it, you know, um, cause when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, he really pulled this off. <laughs> it's really, it's like, you know, you're not in 2020 or 22, you know what I mean? So well, it, it doesn't feel like most films that are an homage to that time period where they, maybe they have like a moody needle drop in the middle of it, or they take one element of what that was to be an eighties film. This actually feels like this could have been a lost film from 1987 that you right. happen to be releasing now. Like, there, there should be a VHS re-release yeah, of this. Yeah. It, it does feel of its time. It really does. I, I think another thing to me, and I don't know what you think, but um, it has, because of the kids and the kids are just so darling, it has a total like Stranger Things feel to it. Yeah, for sure. With with the group of the kids, you know, and I'm like, wow, what perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just finished, what was it? What's coming out? Anyway, Season four is coming out. Anyway, I just finished See, whatever's the available. Half of season four is about to come out like this Friday. That's what it is. Cause I'm like, I know I watched part of it. It says July 1st for the rest. Mm-hmm. And of course, got to see uh, Robert England, but I believe he's going to be in a lot more in the next upcoming section of season four. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's body language, his voice, his, you know, he's such a good actor. Oh, he's wonderful. He's so good. He can do. More under prosthetics than I know. Pro- it froze. Almost- something oh. happened. Let me see. You're, you're kind frozen. Of frozen. Also, can you hear me? Hello. Okay. Okay. Now you're moving again. <laughs> I didn't even touch it. I didn't do anything. I have no it's, idea. It's frozen just- time. Oh God. <laughs> well, I got I got right up to where you're saying. Um, what a wonderful physical actor Robert England is. And I was just commenting back that he can do so much under prosthetics. I don't think there's anybody that works as well under prosthetics as Robert England, where he conveys so much through all that makeup. And you look at him in this film and in, and like in the nightmare movies and then in stranger things. And it's just that he can do so much. It's a, 
somebody yes. that's been wildly underused and underappreciated beyond genre fans. I yeah, I think so too. But in Stranger Things, he's not wearing prosthetics. No, 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 no. But it's uh, in it's there's the beard that's on him, and it's those things where oh hiding. yeah, it's those. It's kind of you're you put something in between if it's beard, glasses, anything you're doing that's covering your face and limiting your ability to emote the you know the particular scene. I think that that's something that is kind of a block between you and the audience and he can act through all of those. So I think it's yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, he definitely can. And I think it's all of his theater acting, you yeah. know? And you really learn how to physicalize roles when you do theater training. I mean, down to how you sit, where your feet are placed, where your hands are placed, how you move your neck or your head, how you, I mean, that physicalization, I think is a big part of theater training. And why I am such a terrible actor, um, just god awful actor, because I can't figure out what to do with my hands anytime. It looks so <laughs> unnatural. I, I, I can handle my voice okay. Um, yeah, not but, right, but the hands, I get lost. It's like I'm always understood. doing too much business. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so I, I feel like this. It's kind of nice to go back and see and to kind of bookend between something like this and some of your earlier stuff. Because I can see absolute growth as an actor, as a performer, where you've you've gone beyond clearly where you were at this point in time. And I think you're doing your best work right now, that you are, you have clearly taken the craft seriously. And what's that like to work in genre films where maybe that's not something that people recognize or pay as much attention to? Um well, from an audience you know, perspective, it's not appreciated as much as you know drama necessarily. Does that make sense? Or what's the first second first part? Like, what's I'm your sorry. question? Okay, the question <laughs> is, um, you've clearly gotten better as an actor. I've seen the growth in you and watching you act for you know several years now, and to see that and to see people get better in genre work, I think it's something that often doesn't get appreciated in the way that it should. People look at straight dramatic work and they will see, you know, they can appreciate that a little bit easier. But really, I think it's just as difficult, if not more difficult, to work with all these heightened areas. If you're working in comedy, if you're working in a thriller, to carry through true, honest emotion in a heightened reality is something that's really difficult to do instead of playing something very straight. So that's what I'm asking about. Does that make sense? I've, I'm still not sure what your question is, but I guess what you're saying is Bloody Man is a genre. Is you calling Bloody Man a genre film? Yeah, 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 for sure. I guess so, but that I, you know, '80s was like the heyday. You know, that was my high school days, and so it didn't feel like playing in a genre film. It was just like I'm an '80s girl, <laughs> you know. So it was pretty. But I, but I know what you mean as far as like if you look at my work, say in. 80s, then 90s, 2000s, you can tell by watching like Hill Street Blues, you yeah. know, what kind of time period we're in. So probably my performance is reflecting that time period because that's how things things were shot a certain way in the 90s, for instance. The dialogue was written a certain way in the 90s, just like in the 80s, it's written, shot differently. You, you see things evolve you know, over each, each decade, I think. So I think I've just kind of gone with the, the wave in a way, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've played everything from like nuns to prostitutes <laughs> in all in the past, almost 40 years. That's just terrifying to me. Um, 
And uh, inevitably you do learn because, you know, I've gotten to work with some really amazing actors and you, you observe and you absorb. And I think, um, you know, if I ha- if my acting hasn't improved or evolved, that would be very sad. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's one of those things that I'm always re- re- reacting to performance first. That's my entry point into anything. I'm I, genre is actually genre films are the things that got me in the eighties. Those were the, um, it was honestly, it was the early nightmare on Elm street films that were a big influence on my life. When I was a child, they were the things that got me going to revival houses and the early nineties uh-huh. when they were showing second run films. And when you go to those places to see something that you loved as a kid next door to nightmare on Elm street five or four or whatever it is that you're watching that night, there's a Kurosawa movie playing. And so you get right. exposed to these things and you end up, I think there's a lot of crossover between people that love those midnight movies and people that love really high-minded art films as well. And so to me, I don't see much of a difference between it. It's just the things I connect with. And I know it's always performance that matters the most right. to me, that draws me in. Um, Can we take a yeah. brief pause? Yeah, please. Can you edit it right? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, my dog is whimpering. I see what's going on. Okay. We're back. That's, that's absolutely perfect because if you look over my shoulder, um, I have a puppy who's nine months old right now, and there's the crate right there. That oh, I, just put him in there I, can, I can't really see. Nine months old? Nine months old right now, and he was supposed to be, God, when we got him, he was just a couple pounds, um, and asked him, cattle dog, probably be like a 20-pound dog. He's 60 pounds right now. So the thing is a beast. <laughs> He's a giant. I, I love this dog so much, but if I am... If I have too much attention focused on something, he'll start eating the house behind me. So, yeah. <laughs> right, right, he'll, right, right, right. He'll destroy well, his little steps because he was sleeping on the bed and the, the big bed, you know, my bed, mm-hmm. and the steps had moved away. So he couldn't get down. He's a miniature dachshund. Aww. So he needs stairs to get, to get up and down. Right. Anyway, so he was oh. stuck. And he was like, what's going on in the living room? I want to come see. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I'm, I have three dogs that sleep in the bed with us every night with me and my wife. And there's, there's not a possibility that we could ever get a bed that would be big enough. For all of us. It just will keep adding. Well, I just have the or... one little miniature. He's like 11 pounds. So he doesn't take up too much room. <laughs> I, I, what, what's the, what's the doctrine's name? Chester. Chester. I love it. How old? He, well, we think he's from Dachshund Rescue. Um, I got him about 10 years ago and uh, nine years ago. And um, he was running the streets of Yakaipa, California with not being fixed, no chip, no collar, nothing. And he's beautiful. He's like, he's like, you know, I'm a stud, you know what I mean? And they do a lot of puppy mills out in Yakaipa. So I think he escaped. Anyway, he was taken to the pound and I had just signed up to foster. dogs uh well specifically dachshunds Mm -hmm. and i i got a call and uh the lady who actually made the call to dachshund rescue from the pound she named him chester and i it is the perfect name for him it it really is he's very cute that's so funny our dog um i never have gone with the date the name that was given but this dog's name was yogi and it just felt Yogi. like, the, it felt <laughs> like the perfect name for this big 
goofball of love and energy. Oh, just, yeah. No, yeah, yes. Running with his tongue out all the time. And sorry, sorry, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big dog person. I, yeah, so That's I, so I, cute. Super so cute. then um, I, with all the work that you've been doing, with everything you've been doing to keep yourself busy, what is it that attracts you to a role initially? Is there something that's the, is it the opportunity of working with specific directors, actors? Is it the screenplay? Is there kind of a common denominator amongst your work? Because it's like you said, it's all over the place. You've done a little bit of everything as a working actor. Yeah, um, definitely. It, it really, my career, he's squeaking his toy, of course. He's like, mom, are you squeaking? Yes, you're squeaking. I see that. Oh, you're such a good squeaker. Okay, I might keep him quiet for a minute. Hi. Okay, sorry. Um, generally, from the beginning, I have a, an agent and they submit me for whatever they think I'm right for. And then you go audition and you just hope you book a job. You know what I mean? And it, it was kind of during, so during that time, it didn't matter what director or what role, if I, you know, I'm a horrible auditioner. I'm just terrible. And my, I would get so nervous. Like I'd be shaking literally. Mm-hmm. And my agent would be like, Lisa, I got another call from casting director. Your lips were quivering. I'm like, I know I just don't, but other times, other times I'm not nervous one bit. And I think it's more of my comfortability with the role Mm. which means obviously I'm comfortable with playing prostitutes and nuns, whatever that means. But anyway, and beauty queens and, you know, all over. And Alice, for sure, because Alice is totally me as in grade school and junior high. I mean, were, I, that was a daydreamer. Were you the wallflower type person then? No, oh, totally, totally, totally. Definitely in my imagination. And uh, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, but it was after Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and its success that like Walter Hill, Aliens, and I I got some really amazing um, opportunities, which I didn't book them, but, um, you know, came this close. But that was exciting, too. But again, that's where my nerves get in my way again. It's terrible. It's terrible. So and I've taken a class on it, you know, whatever. It's just maybe it's just innately, I think, from. Just being a daydreamer, more of a shy person, most, you know, my formative years, I think it, it you know, and I was bullied and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I think going into audition room, it's like, oh, they're going to hurt me or I don't know. There's something innately comes up. But I but obviously I've done well enough on auditions because my resume is, you know, pretty flushed out until I left acting for a long time. Um so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the draw to come back after the, when you left? Um, I missed it. I just, I really missed it. And my children were older now because once they started school, I didn't want to be off doing a, a pilot for two months in Canada. Well, they, sure. You know what I mean? I wanted to be home. And be a room mom and do all that stuff. So it's when they were teenagers and getting close, you know, basically doing their own thing, going to go off to college, which, you know, my youngest did. uh, I was like, okay, I can mom, I can do what I want to do again, you know? And so. um, 
today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by bookman's so when i went into bookman's today after speaking with harry i wanted to look for heaven can wait i figured it was a shot in the dark but i knew that there were three versions of it so there was the Damamichi version that i'm not even sure what year that came out but it was the original i think i, th- I think that's the original heaven can wait and then there was the one with warren Beatty from 78 and then there was a remake that was done by chris rock called down to earth and i was open to seeing any of these I, I, all three of these would have been cool any one of these if it would have been there after um thinking about hereafter this would have been something i would want to watch and so fortunately when i went in the one that i wanted to see the most the one with warren Beatty, was actually there um and this movie was directed by warren Beatty, um and it i think it was nominated for like nine academy awards it's something that in my mind because this was on hbo a lot when i was a kid and i think i took this movie for granted for a long time that i didn't realize how amazing this film is that how profound and beautifully shot it is and this is just a great film and this conversation uh, that i had for hereafter reminded me of that and it was something i really wanted to revisit and this movie is phenomenal if you haven't seen it um, definitely do yourself a favor and check it out because warren Beatty basically plays a uh, quarterback a backup quarterback for the rams and he's about to go into the super bowl and then when he's riding through this tunnel um he ends up getting into a car accident and passes away and so it's about the choices that you make in life and the things that are left unsaid and kind of dealing with that. And, um, he refuses to believe that his time was up and he decides to investigate what happened. And it's really interesting film. Um, and it's something that you should definitely see if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time. Like I had since I was a kid, it's one that's definitely worth revisiting. And, that's one thing that I really, really love about every time I go into Bookman's that even when I have something very specific in mind or something general, um, walk in the door and there's a good chance that if I might not have the exact thing that I'm looking for, there's going to be something similar to it. And I might end up just stumbling across something that I didn't even know that I was, uh, that I was looking for. So whenever I'm looking for movies, Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS, I always go there first, first place I check out, but also a great place to look for vinyl as well as instruments. They have tons of them. I actually was able to pick up an acoustic bass a couple weeks ago, and I've been playing it almost daily since then. Um, But yeah, remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Just got an agent, and there you go. Got back at it. You know, yeah. And also I think with uh, social media, it really changed things too, because people were reaching out to me when you know, sending me a Facebook message or an Instagram message saying, you know, I'm doing this film. We're funded. This is when it's going to happen. So these are things I didn't have, don't have to audition for. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I'm going to read the script and see if I like the role and the story and, you know, if I, there's no conflict with dates and stuff like that. So, uh, so that's what happened too. So I think I just kind of got lured back into it, um, with some really amazing, um, projects, you know, just really amazing. Um, I I just, um, that, and we're glad that you came back because there's a, for people my age, it's just, we have such a deep connection with your work that it's just, it's good to see people reappreciating and they're, they're reaching out and that they want to see you doing more stuff because you're the type of actor we, we grew up with. And it's just, yes, why, 
why haven't I seen Lisa in a movie in 10 years or five years or however long it's been? When was the last thing I saw something? Then to see something like Buddy Man and just connect with it in that way. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to see that again. It, no, it is. And it's like the, all you kids that grew up watching these eight, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street movies have grown up to be their own legitimate writers, producers, directors. And, and, and so it's, it's lovely, you know, that such are just reaching out to me directly and say, you know, would love to work with you. And, you know, not just bloody man, but, um, I did a movie called mystery spot, um, which actually I was, um, nominated for best actor at best actress, um, at the Buffalo film festival. It's some really big film festival and, you know, different things are now, you know, coming, you know, the, the, I've gotten to do some films now that are now finally coming out, you know, cause I go to conventions and they're like, well, what do you, what have you been working on? I'm like, well, I've got six movies, seven, seven, actually do have seven now that I've completed three were this year. One was last fall. Uh, I have one I'm doing this September anyway. And it's like, just hang in tight. You know, they're editing. It will come out. So that's why I'm excited about bloody man coming out. Yes, And as I, I did have a kind of specific question to something you were talking about though, um, this idea of being shy and introvert by nature. So am I. That's absolutely given my own choices, my own desires. I will be very much on my own. But then I also have this bizarre desire to be heard at the same time, which is very uncomfortable to me. And it's this balance that I have to strike in myself where my natural disposition is to be very quiet. But then there's also this desire to have people look at me and pay attention for some reason, which is, it's like this self-hating narcissist or something. I don't know what that's called, but I feel like I know. it's actually fairly common in actors. Yeah. I, I, but it is, I think a common thing. Like I hate having my picture taken. I really hate it. <laughs> I just can't like to do headshots and to do, you know, I mean, I've gotten very used to it at conventions because I can control it a little bit and say, no, God, shoot high. <laughs> and, you know, turn the flash on and, you know, whatever. But um, but in general, like with my family or whatever, I did not like getting my picture taken. But here's the difference as an actor. You're not looking at a camera. You're playing a character. You're ignoring the mm. camera. You're into your story. You're into what is happening in the scene, you know. So so it's a, it's it's a conflict right there, <laughs> you know. So playing the characters were very comfortable to me because that's, I delved into books. You know, I was Nancy Drew. I was, you know, one of the dames in Dracula. I, what, you know what I mean? My mind was just like in the scene and, you know, and I still love stories. I still love books too. And then is that something where that uh, being in the moment is very different than observing your work later? are you able to watch yourself and give an honest perspective of it? Or is that sort of desire to not be photographed? I mean, cause when you're doing a film, you're literally being photographed millions. Of right. so. um, well, as a discipline, I make sure I watch my work because okay. I'm going to learn something, you know, good or bad or whatever, you know what I mean? I'll be like, wow, that was, you know, or I'll be watching and go, you know, I remember I had that instinct to do blah, blah, blah. I should have done it or, you know, so, and it's not like I leave and go, God, I was awful. I hated myself. You know, it's not like that, 
I really try to go in as like a third party and just observe my, um, my performance just to, as to learn, to learn and to be better the next time. Absolutely. And how do you, this is just personal advice for me. Um, how do you navigate having all those different pieces of thought going on in your mind where you're saying, okay, the last time I don't want to do that again. Now I'm needing to be present in this moment. I have all these ideas of what I need to be doing physically. I have all these ideas of the lines, what I want to convey with my, you know, my reactions to it, but I also need to be listening at the same time. Those two things have always been in conflict when I'm trying to act. When I feel the idea of being present and listening, I'm not able to actually convey the things that I've thought up ahead of time going into a moment. How do you strike that balance of being thoughtful and present at the same time? Um, I'm not sure how to, it. trying to explain it. Um, generally, so I'm working on my lines and my character alone in my living room. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm playing with it and I'm, you know, memorizing the lines and, you know, trying to say them, you know, a ton of different ways. And, 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 um, you know, some characters do require a quirk or, uh, you know, and how does this character move? You know, is she, does she move quickly? Is she more, is she more mellow? Is she, you know, and just making all those choices. And then you, so you do your homework like crazy. You just, you do your homework and you make sure you know your lines inside, outside, upside down. You could do them in a, in a, doing a cartwheel, you know, washing dishes, doing, you know, you have, you have to know your lines because that is what will give you, at least for me, the freedom on set. Yeah. So, but once you're on set and now you're working with an actor and I sometimes work with an acting coach, but not very often. Cause generally there's just, especially doing episodic and stuff like that. There was no time to sure. schedule with it, you know? So anyway, uh, which can very much help cause they'll give you, help you give an introspective, but what, anyway, so do all your homework and then, but once you're on set and you're working with that real actor, you know, then you just, you go instinctually, you know, just have to trust that you've done the homework. And then, and you you figured out what your character. Yes, Chester. He's moved on to the pink one now. I see that. Anyway, what was I going to say? Um, darn it. You're you're moving um, on from the instinct. Uh, you're basically you're being yes, present in that Chester, moment because please. you have done all the homework. Um. I don't remember what I was going to say, but, but it really is about trusting that you've done the homework and, and feel free because all of a sudden you're going to be, might have something on the table. You're, you're like, Oh, I'm going to pour coffee. Oh, I'm going to, and these are ideas you come up before you even get on set and you can request them and say, you know, during this scene, I really want a dainty teacup or I want whatever it is. Oh my goodness. You, You want a squeaky toy. And you want a squeaky toy and you're flailing it around or whatever, you know, and, and it just can be really subtle things. Like I just did this audition the other day and, um, a very pretentious woman. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to wear, I'm going to be wearing my pearls and observing this art. And I'm just going to be languidly playing with my pearls. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. just, it's having fun too. I mean, it's playing. It's about playing. 
I, th- I think that's where it comes down to that. It's, you have to do a lot of work to be fun in that moment, to have fun in that moment. Yes. Um, but, and that's probably where it came down that the discipline wasn't there for me, where I just hadn't done the work that I was able to enjoy the fun of it. And then it was far too stressful to be able to, uh, yeah. Do that. And I, yeah, that, that could, gotta that could do the homework or you're going to be freaked out on set. <laughs> and that's, I, I guess that's probably what happens with auditioning because if you're going in and you're just being handed sides, if you're not being given that opportunity to prepare for it and you don't know what exactly they're looking for, that it's all in that moment, you don't have the ability to really play in there. It's almost like you just have to let go of it, I guess, in a way. That yeah. Yeah. I mean, now the requirement, because it's all remote auditioning mm-hmm. and I mean, they'll give you sometimes a day, but they want you have to <laughs> memorize it now. Chester. He's being a brat now. <laughs> no, he really, he's being a brat because I took it away from him. <laughs> I'm taking it back. <laughs> this is his latest toy. No, he's he's about the size of this thing, but oh God, he loves the big ones because I feels he feels like you know he's Mr. Macho Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going crazy. Where were we? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just started thinking about my dog and how he's 60 pounds, but we'll only play with dogs that are your size. Of that oh. because he was been raised by a chihuahua basically that um we, we have a chihuahua adoption mix also and that's their that's his buddy that's the you know oh. best friend so yeah he's pretty much been raising him so wow no chester will have nothing to do with big dogs well i take it back my sister has um labradors so they're mm-hmm. 70 pounds that whatever and um when we visit you know they look at him of course like oh we're having hot dogs for dinner so I so but Chester is very alpha so he he goes around and like they try to grab his toy or something he growls at him he I mean he puts them in their place and in about 20 minutes 30 minutes they went okay all right we got it you're the alpha well you're here we accept that but he's he'll you know he's he's like oh no oh no 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 anyway right but he's a total human lover yeah okay but you're gonna keep squeaking them but I, I just wanted, I know we're running out of time here, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Sorry. And I got off the rails. With, with the, the no, story it was really fun. Thank you for asking some really awesome questions I, and yeah. uh, focusing more on, you know, kind of my other work and not just Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, cause it's like oh. people like horror is like this big, much of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the piece of it. That's a part of it. That was the entry point. But, and a huge part of it. And yeah, I love, you know, the Alice role and stuff. Well, so it's, it's fun, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that if you watch your other work, you can see the growth. And to me, I would have much rather maybe talk about your dog that no one else has talked about. And have that been uh, no, that was very much appreciated. And in many ways, I feel sad. I missed, you know, a big, you know, a big chunk of my time. But I can't have regrets that I was was a mom. You know, that was my focus. So anyway, no, and and we're just glad to have you back because we need more actresses that are doing work like yours you've you're only getting better and i look forward in my and now no longer an ingenue that's for sure (laughs) and i'm actually getting to play more roles that are evil outrageous um you know some really cool stuff so i'm happy and i'm i'm looking forward to whatever else uh, the 
the six that are coming down the pike that I haven't seen yet that I'm going to be, I'm looking out for now. So I'm, I'm, All right. I'm on board. So I'm going to be checking them out. Thank you cool. so much for taking the time. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you and, and Chester. Chester. Thank you. <laughs> thank you both. Hope you have a great All day. All right. Take care. Bye. <laughs> time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck, get me hope.